All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 92 of the Fantasy Timeline, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. I'm Josh at Real Fantasy TL. I'm with my main man, Bill at Super Duper Flex. Bill, man, how you doing? We it feels a lot longer than a week since the last time we talked, but I'm excited to be back. Um, I just want to shout you out. You killed it as the uh, as the host with the most last week. You had Drew on as well. You had uh, Sunny. You guys were cracking me up when it was uh, Sunny talking about the fact that I'm never on when he's on the timeline. <laughs> so it always seems like he he comes in to uh, to replace me and does a damn good job out of it too. So uh, you got you guys killed it. But how you doing, man? Yeah, man, doing good. Uh, excited. Um... You know, we're starting to get a lot more news, all that fun stuff. So it's just, you know, looking forward to football season starting again. It's been a long off season. It just feels so long. So um, that's exciting. Um, you know, excited to to chat tonight with our guest. And, um, you know, let's do this. Yeah, so Bill talking about our guest. He's in here. He... Uh, yeah, he, he had some technical difficulties, but this is a man that makes it work. He he says, "What the the laptop's not working? I'm gonna hop on the phone. Who cares? Let's get it done." We got Jake Estes at Dynasty underscore Jake. Jake, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How you fellas doing? Dude, we're doing good. We are uh, we're happy. We're back together. We got a good guest, and dude, let let's get this rolling. So let's let's hit the news. Uh, first one, uh, Deshaun is back at practice. Deshaun Watson, he's still in Houston. He is still a Texan. All right. What's going to happen with this? I mean, there were, apparently there was a trade that was like almost done. And then other people are saying the trade ain't even close to being done. Or what are we, what's going to go on? Bill, tell me, what are we doing with Deshaun here? Are we, you know. What are we doing? Nah, yeah, like, I mean, I'm really hesitant to do anything, um, you know, aggressive with Deshaun right now, like in redraft, let's say. Um, You know, he's he's probably somebody I'm going to, you know, if he falls far enough, he might be somebody I'd be considering grabbing. But, like, I don't trust any news in regards to, you know, anything with him, like, there's so much unknown that like just little blurbs aren't going to move anything for me. So um, dynasty, I mean, it's, I mean, if you're looking for a quarterback, he's not, and you're not competing this year, you you should be going after him. I think, you know, it's not going to be suspended for life. I don't think unless he's going to prison, which everything's civil. So, um, you know, I, I just I think that the news isn't going to sway sway me one way or the other. Um, yeah, so I'm kind of in a holding pattern for now. So Jake, do you have a feeling of where he might end up, or is there a spot you really hope he ends up? So Deshaun's it's it's such a weird like situation, you know, because obviously we have these civil lawsuits, and it's like everybody knows how talented he is, but this also seems like a great time for the NFL to be like, Hey, you know what? Like we need to set an example. We have to draw the line somewhere. Right. Well, you know, 
I think this would probably be the instance in which that's done. It, I don't want to get like political, but it's basically like the NFL. Uh, they didn't ban Kaepernick, but but it was almost like amongst owners that they decided we're not giving this guy a job. And and I feel like if that happened because of that political stance, why not for this? You know, and I don't think it's going to happen because he's that much more talented, and, and everybody sees that. It's sad. Um, I, I wish that was the case. If he actually did these allegations, I wish he was banned. That's that's really like how I feel and think. Um, what I think will happen, I don't think he'll get banned. I think he's going to get at least a one-year ban. And I don't know how. So, like, okay, so say he gets a one-year ban. Um, to me, that's almost like a, a reason for him to come play now. Like, hey, let me get this out of the way, so I'm going to tell the Texans. And then I would think the league would, at that point, put him on the uh, commissioner's exempt list, right? And so, at that point, I don't know if he just stays on the exempt list or if that's part of his ban, but – I think he, he knows that he's in trouble. He should just get it out of the way. But so say he gets banned for a year, and if he waits, if he sits out this year, we're looking at possibly two years, you know. And so it's, such a, it's just such a weird situation. And redraft, I don't want any part of him. I don't think he's playing this year. Um, and, and Dynasty, I was telling everybody a while ago that I'm trying to I'm trying to get any type of value I can. I think that I said that I would take a second, but I don't think I'm there now just because we see the situation developing. It's, I think I'd have to go with you, Bill. I think you got to hold in dynasty because you, no one's going to pay what he's worth if he plays. And if you sell him, you're not going to get anything worthwhile. If, if you do get something worthwhile, I think, I think you sell because it's just such a risky case that, that I would sell. Yeah. And it's crazy. Cause I have, I only have Watson in one of my dynasty leagues. So during, not during the rookie draft, but before rookie draft, I pretty much went to the guys with the top three picks and said, give me your first, I'll give you Watson. And the guy at 101 said, man, I I think I might regret this, but I'm going to hold my 101. So... You know, that that just shows that if you couldn't get it done back then when I think there was a lot more optimism because there was still a lot more time before the season actually started. Um, yeah, I mean, I think at this point, what do you, you can't really do much with them, hold them. You know, unless somebody, you know, hears a report or just has a feeling that he's going to be fine and wants to give you a pretty good offer for him because at this point, you know, what's a sec what's a second round pick going to do you if Deshaun Watson does come back? Maybe he misses 8 games this year and that's it. That's the end of the story. Well, you just sold Deshaun Watson cuz he missed 8 games for a second round pick. And odds are that second round pick ain't going to be anything close to Deshaun Watson. So yeah, yeah, I think that it's just like, um, you know, the stars are always getting a pass or they're just get, you know, it's just how the NFL has worked forever. If you're good, you're going to get a chance time and time again. Uh, the NFL isn't really, if you're negative to the shield then, or you're causing any sort of issue, even though like, you know, or they view it as a detriment to the shield, they're going to give you as hard a time as possible. But, you know, it, there's a ton of hypocrisy. It's all about the dollar. And to have one of their mega stars 
completely banned. I just, I have a hard time believing that the NFL will do that, even though, even if they should. So um, that's why I'm not too, I, I wouldn't move him right now um, if I have him. Um, you know, it's just, I think there's a lot more opportunity to lose on that deal than if you just hold. Yeah. And I, I'm with you guys in, in redraft. I mean, Maybe if he's still hanging around in, in the 12th or 13th round and you want him as a second quarterback, all right, yeah, shoot for it because there's probably not much in those rounds that you're super excited for. But for the most part, I mean, I'm probably not uh, not going to worry about it in uh, in the redraft setting. Oh, that was weird. Um all right, so let's go to the next news little blurb we have here. Saquon Barkley off the pup list. He's off. We were worried about him possibly missing time. He may still miss time, but, you know, does this news make you feel any better about Saquon at all? Jake, why don't we start with you? Do you feel better about Saquon now that he's off that puck? Absolutely. So I love Saquon. He's probably my favorite running back in the league, um, at least from just like a talent standpoint. Like I, I know there's a lot of guys just talented, but I love his style of running. He, he can truck guys. He can make people miss on a dime. So I love watching Saquon run. Um, but obviously after a knee injury, you know, like that, like that's terrifying. So – the fact that they said, hey, like, let's give him extra time, and the fact that he's, like, beating that time, that says a lot to me. And I don't want to get, like, too far into the weeds, but modern medicine is insane. And and the and the drugs that these guys have access to is stuff that most, most humans don't know exist. So, I mean, yeah, with modern medicine and the fact that they're saying, hey, he's ready, that, that's a huge sign to me. I was, I was approaching it cautiously, actually – trade him in one league but yeah i i've had him on the pup list in another and immediately i'm ready to go with him bill what about you you feeling better about saquon with this news no i i didn't expect like like these pup things like early in the uh preseason don't scare me a lot like it's just part of you know a lot of times they just do that with their star players. I understand he's coming back from an injury, so there's a little bit more concern as to like um, you know is it lingering that sort of thing. Will it affect him? So this is definitely a positive sign for him because he is coming back from an injury. Um, but you know, like Jake said, that's I mean medicine plus you're adding that Saquon's a superhuman. Like you know these these elite athletes just heal differently. You know I think. It's just crazy. Every one of these like star, like crazy, you know, guys who are just, you know, physical specimens, they'll just like get better so many more weeks early than like the a typical NFL player, you know, like Saquon, you know, he, you know, he's working out constantly, you know, his body is where he wants it to be. It's just, you know, so I think he just heals that way. And like, you know, like Jay said, that medicine, modern medicine is crazy. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm feeling better for the teams that I do have him, but, um, you know, it may end up being where he misses a few weeks to start anyway, and, like, I'm okay with that. You know, I think if any anybody has Saquon, if they get him in the first three weeks, 
I think they're going to be really happy. You know, I think that, um, I don't know. I, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I wasn't freaking out too much about it. And so this is promising news though, that, you know, it's a little, maybe I don't have to do something to add depth to my dynasty team. If I have Saquon that I'm a little, you know, I'm a little less, little less nervous about my depth, I guess. Yeah. And I'm with you. I, I still think that Saquon is going to miss maybe the first one, two, three weeks of the season. But we kind of, that's kind of what we thought before when he got put on the preseason pup, which is really just a list of, you know, you go on when you want, come off when you want. You know, it's not like the regular season list where you are going to miss at least six weeks, you know. So um, I still think, you know, especially if the Giants are smart about this, they're not putting Saquon out there until he is 100% and he is ready to go. Because, I mean, you took this guy with the number two pick and you can argue if that was smart or not. I'm not here to argue that. But you invested a ton of draft capital into him and he's getting ready to come up on the fifth year option. And if you do what I think they're going to do and give him the big extension, you want to make sure he's there for all of it and he's doing what he has the ability to do. So missing three weeks in the beginning of one season is better than rushing out too early and missing another season because you didn't play this game smart. But uh, Bill, you threw it up there for a second. Koenig 52 had a good one here. Where would you guys draft Saquon then? So that's a really good question. So let's, Let's do it in um, Superflex uh, Dynasty first, and then we'll kind of we'll hit it from redraft too. So, Bill, you uh, where do you want to draft Saquon? I mean, I honestly think he's probably in the same place for for both. Um, I, he's probably a little little later in Dynasty. Um, I, I would say pro- he's probably in that early to mid second. Okay. In Dynasty, um, okay. I, and Scott Fishbowl, I drafted him at the end of the first. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I think it's a value there. Like, I mean, I think people are are totally discounting him there, um, because like, really, what's the difference between him and like Dalvin Cook when all said and done, right? Like, I mean, you're getting a a discount. So, I would personally lump him in with like those other top, like the two to six running backs. Like, I think he's in that grouping. Um, he's probably my number two running back. Um, so, I mean, maybe I'm a little higher on him. So where would I draft him? I would be drafting him pretty early. Um, super flex. I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks in there though. So I think that there's probably seven quarterbacks in the first round plus CMC and him and then the tight ends. So, I mean, I, I think I'm right back to like, towards the end of the first uh, in Superflex. So DLF Superflex ADP, Saquon is going at 12.25. So pretty much 12. He's going with that last pick in your 12-team first round. So I think I think you nailed it there. Um, I, think, I think he gets drafted. I think he should be a, around the same place in uh, redraft, maybe a little bit higher. Uh, especially if you're doing the one QB thing. But uh, I think that late, you know, that mid to late first round, I mean, you know, 
some people, I mean, if I'm just looking at the dynasty ADP here, but CMC I'm way earlier in one QB, I'm, I'm like redraft. I'm taking him top six or seven at worst. So in dynasty, he is RB three. So the only two that are ahead of him are obviously CMC. And since this is July, Jonathan Taylor is still in front of him. I'm sure in August, that's going to go down with the Quentin Nelson news, unless he does come back and play week one and then nothing's going to change. But so I think people are kind of where you are on it, that he is one of the elite and, you know, this is obviously, you know, before he got taken off the PUP. So even on that preseason PUP, they weren't worried about it. Uh, Jake, what about you? Where would you draft him? Uh, for Superflex Dynasty, I would say probably early second. Now, if, if the knee thing never popped up, it would, I'd be right there in the same spot as Bill. But I'd probably give him – I'd probably take not Dalvin and Dynasty, but definitely Jonathan Taylor, CMC first. And hell, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not because I don't know who else I would take. I like Swift a lot this year. I like Gibson a lot this year, but I don't think I could take him in front. Dalvin's a stud, but he's 26. So it's like, yeah, probably probably Saquon right there after JT. And um, who am I missing? JT is. Uh, thank you. Thank you. There we go. CMT, the obvious one. So yeah, probably uh, probably after those two, uh, I might I might grab another quarterback and just push him off a couple spots from where I would normally draft them, just because you know there might be that two or three weeks that you're not getting points from. Also, are you guys getting feedback? Is that just me? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I might be Josh. You might want to try unplugging and plugging your mic back in. All right. I that's still there are you guys hearing it from me or whenever you talk josh i'm hearing it the whole time hmm. so i'll try to work through it and now it's off but both of you are muted oh can you there hear it now no okay yeah, I've just been muting uh, when I'm not talking. But I don't hear it when I'm talking. I just hear it when Josh is talking. Oh, that's so Interesting. weird. Yeah, Actually, we'll get yeah. through it. It's all right. We'll work through it. No worries. Just checking. Um, so, so yeah. So, I'm, I'm with I, – I think I'm kind of with Bill. Late first um, in Superflex Dynasty. Um, and then – in redraft, you know, in redraft, I might take Dalvin in front of him and CMC. But, I mean, Dalvin, you can convince me very easily, Saquon over Dalvin. That, that's kind of a coin flip. Um, and there's nobody else. It's those two, and, and that's it in redraft. And like I said, you could even – you could probably easily convince me to go Saquon ahead of Dalvin at that RB2. So – so I was having this conversation with uh, one of my employees today about um, like, you know, redraft and like 
I think there's like five running backs after CMC that could all be number two, almost. Like just depending on whoever you know somebody's small bias. But I can't. I would almost rather be at like 106 than 102 this year, just because I'm okay taking the last guy in that that tier. Like, I mean, is there anybody like if if I rattle off JT, um, Saquon, Kamara? Um, if you're in like a 0.5, um, Derek Henry and Zeke, like, is there really that much between any of those guys? I mean, I think Kamara, I like Kamara. I like Dalvin a little bit better than probably some, but Barkley's right there with those guys. And so like, do you guys agree that there's kind of like that? I mean, if you want to go PPR and take out Derek Henry, I'm totally cool with that. But like, I mean, it feels like there's like a pretty big tier right there. So I would actually, the only person that I don't, I don't think belongs in that group is Zeke. After last year, uh, I know he didn't play with uh, his line and he didn't play with Dak, but Tony Pollard looked like the better back. Maybe it was just an off year. So that's the only guy that I'm hesitant on that you listed there. Other than that, I would take any of those guys right there in that same range. Zeke would definitely be on the, the outer skirts of that one for me. Yeah, and it's funny because, Bill, I think you're right. I think you can make an argument for any of those five guys. I think I would put Kamara at the very end of that just because of all of the kind of insecurity about that situation. We don't know who the quarterback is going to be. Michael Thomas is going to miss at least – what, six weeks probably, he's probably going to get put on the pup and he's already mouthing off about the team. He's not happy. Like, there's just a lot going on there. And I know a lot of us, especially in the dynasty world, we have high hopes for Adam Troutman, but we don't know who he is. We don't know if he's that guy or if he's just another one of the long line of tight ends that have come through New Orleans since Jimmy Graham. Like, so he might be the only weapon and in that case i mean i mean that that could that could seriously be bad news for him um but unlike jake i think i am high on zeke this year i mean we have to remember before the dak injury zeke was rb3 in fantasy so you you know listen no, nobody. Saquon's not going to look good with uh, Garrett Gilbert and Ben DiNucci and the corpse of Andy Dalton. Uh, nobody is. I mean, and that offensive line, I mean, they were playing four stringers at one point. It, it was a mash unit. Um, Zeke took Zeke took a couple games off this year. And honestly, I think he was a little bit banged up. But I also think he was like, why the hell am I getting hit? And <laughs> Um, I think crappy, that's very much part of this it. crappy team. And He's listen, like bump this. I'm not, I'm not advocating that mentality, but I'm just saying, if you kind of look at what was going on and kind of look at his body language, it seemed more like, Hey, I am hurting a little bit. Now, if Dak was out here and we were rolling, then yeah, maybe I, I tough through it, but you know, Ben DiNucci ain't doing it for me. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna sit right here. I'm going to get myself healthy. And honestly, I know, you know, preseason pictures and videos, they, they have sunk many a good dynasty player, but he does look like he's in better shape. 
I, I'm not going to say he, oh, he's more explosive and he's going to do all this. But you can you can tell he's in better shape, which I think is good news for him. The beauty is, like, even if, like, if you're in um, Jake's shoes where he doesn't want to take Zeke, you're, you're, Zeke's going to get the, um, what's the show there? Uh, hard Knocks bump anyway. So he'll probably get picked earlier than he's supposed to just because of that. So, um, you know, be aware of that this year, right? It's always, we always have that Hard Knocks bump. Wait, wait until episode two or episode three where uh, Simi Fioco is like the man and he's making one handed catches and stuff. Boy, you're going to be able to trade that dude for a second. In uh, in some of your leagues, because I saw Simi Fioco on uh, on Hard Knocks, and he was doing all this stuff, and he runs hard. I'd be like, "Yeah, you want? I'll trade him to you for a sec, <laughs> and, and just just recoup on that." But yeah, no, I agree with you, man. That Hard Knocks bump, man, is like how many players have been traded for with the? There was the one guy from um, when the Raiders were on the one year, the one wide receiver who. Everybody wanted him. I can't even remember the guy's name now, but he was like hot for like a month and a half. And man, I traded that guy in so many places, and that guy never did did anything. I, I had such a good time with that. But uh, no, I agree with you. Let's let's hit the last bit of news though, real quick. So it looks like uh, Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson. We've talked about them a couple times already. They're already showing up to practice. No boots on. Uh, the the whispers in the wind is that Carson Wentz it could be starting Week One. Is this is this hype or is this is this the real deal? What do you think, Jake? Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I know they don't want to roll with Easton or Ellinger. Uh, it's it's funny. I've been I've been telling everybody, I'm like, you know, like this is how you know we're peak off season. I'm sitting here arguing with people about who's better between Ellinger and Easton. And I'm like, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter which one's better because you're you're choosing between two turds, and it's still a turd. Neither neither's gonna do anything. So so at the end of the day, uh, I really hope Carson's back. I'm a Titans fan, but I don't I don't want to win the division because uh, Carson's not playing. So I hope he's back. I hope they're they're healthy. And and I I'm kind of excited to see Carson back in an offense because when he was with Wright, that was that was his best best career years. So they're relinked. A lot of people are forgetting that and just think that basically because of last year, but one, he had a, a worse offensive line. And now he's relinked with uh, the coach that he's had the best success under. So I'm excited to see Carson this year. I, I don't think that wide receiver cords anything, uh, anything to be scared of, but, but he's definitely a step up from Philip Rivers, in my opinion, Philip Rivers at that point in his career anyways. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I, I don't know. At the end of the day, I, I don't know. Um, I hope I hope he's ready for week one, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have any type of information on that. It goes back to modern medicine. I think modern modern medicine and the drugs these guys have access to would blow most people's mind. Um, but uh, body's still a body, and you have to heal, so I have no idea. What about you, Bill? I think, like, it, you know, I could go be go two different ways, right? Like, okay, they're telling the truth. Um, maybe, but then at the same time, it's like, you know, both of those guys come out, um, one day after the next and they're having physical ailments and media just goes crazy with these stories. So could it be that the coaching staff and everybody just doesn't want to deal with answering that question every day? 
and they're just like, ah, let's bring these guys out. Like, let's kind of make it a, like a positive story instead of them just constantly getting barraged with questions on the timetable for these two players during, you know, preseason when they want to focus on other things. So like I could see it going either way. Um, I mean, I don't put it past anybody to do anything to just save themselves some headaches. So, um, you know, I, I would be surprised if, um, you know, Wentz starts week one personally. Like, I don't expect him to. I mean, when you give a timetable of five to 12 weeks, I mean, that's a huge, you know, range. And, like, for it to, like, be, you know, the the bottom, then why did they come out and give that just crazy number in the first place? I don't know. It just seems like a – it'd be pretty um, – yeah, it'd just be pretty surprising to me. Yeah, I think I think this is a little bit of – you know, maybe a little gamesmanship by the Colts here. Um, both both of those guys, and honestly, I'm going to say Quentin Nelson more than Carson Wentz, but both of those guys are super important to the long-term future of this franchise. And it doesn't make sense from a long-term view to rush these guys back just to, to have them in there for game one. I think they're going to wait till both guys are 100%. Um, before they put them in because they don't need either one of those guys to come back early, come back week one, the foot's not fully healed. Someone steps on it. They step the wrong way. And now they're out for the rest of the season. And I'm not a doctor. So I don't even know if any of what I just said is actually physically possible, but I have a feeling that there's probably a scenario where it is. And why, why would the Colts risk the long-term future of either one of these guys just to get them, get them in there week one. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. Now, if one or both of those guys are a hundred percent and they deem them to be a hundred percent by week one. Yeah. They're both going to start. They're both going to be in there. But I think the Colt, the Colts have proven over the last few years, they're a good organization. They're a smart organization and they're going to do, you know, I think they're going to do, what's best not only for the player but for themselves in the long term so all right man with the news man whoo I, I love having news that we can talk about but obviously this this is what we're here for this is the main event this is what we saw on, on the timeline so this this one is actually a two-parter I, I found the first tweet and then i found the second tweet and i go man this is this is really kind of what's going on in twitter about this guy so let's uh Let's read them both. I'm going to read them both off here. The first one is from Zara Kansabedian at ZKansFF. I'm sorry. I messed up your name. I know I did. Um, are we sure that Miles Gaskin's ADP is justified? What's to stop Flores from incorporating Malcolm Brown and Salvan Ahmed? I've seen a declarative statement from the Dolphins claiming Gaskin as a 15 to 20 touch per game back type of running back. So you got the, are we sure about Miles Gaskin tweet? And then we'll go right here to Adam Koffler at Adam Koffler. Miles Gaskin had 19 plus touches in six of 10 games in 2020, played over 70% of snaps in five of those six games. In those five games, he averaged 18.6 rush attempts and 4.4 targets per game. 
are we really worried about UDFA Savan Ahmed challenging Gaskin for touches? So I have a very declarative opinion, but before I get into that, I, I want to hear what you guys have to say. So, Bill, are you a are you a yay or a nay on Miles Gaskin for twenty twenty one? What uh, where's his what's his ADP? Uh, just out of curiosity, um, like, is this something like? I don't have him anywhere. Like I cut him after his rookie season. Like when I had to make cuts during, um, you know, the off season. Um, I mean, I like, like he's somebody I don't mind having. And they've, the, the dolphins have shown that they're willing to just give somebody most of the touches. And so that's why I'm kind of like, I think I lean miles Gaskin. I mean, the point about, well, you know, UDFA Salvan Ahmed, well, sorry, but Miles Gaskin was a seventh rounder, so it's not like there's some like material difference between the two. Um, I, I think that like you know, but I do lean Gaskin. I think that that he's somebody that I don't mind having. I put him in that Mike Davis kind of tier. Um, I'm not I'm not you know expecting more than one season out of him. Like, I mean, maybe he grabs the bull by the horns and he's very successful and he ends up becoming their back. But, I mean, somebody in the seventh, uh, you know, with a seventh round draft pedigree is pretty likely going to get replaced at some point. Um, Fortunate for him, there's really not, not a lot of competition. And if they stick with what they did last year and gave a lot of touches to one back, um, you know, I'm cool with Gaskin and who cares, even if they give a li- some touches to Ahmed and Malcolm Brown, I don't necessarily think that like they're going to be 50, 50 splits with him. So I, I still think he's going to be a guy that I would be happy getting 50% of the touches with Miami. So you asked about ADP Koenig 52 in the chat says low sixties on underdog, which is best ball fantasy pros. This is one QB. Uh, redraft 48, but he's going as running back 23. And then uh, Superflex DLF ADP for July has him at, I just had him at uh, 88.25 running back 25. So he looks like he's in that very low end running back too, at least for ADP. Um, let's get like, I'll get him. Why not? Like, yeah, at that price, I'm totally down. Um, and, and, and we saw we saw last year, you know, it's pretty much the same cast of characters. Yes, Malcolm Brown is new, but do we really think that Malcolm Brown is stealing a ton of touches from Miles Gaskin? Probably not. Um, and we saw when he was healthy, they used him. So I expect them to do more of the same. That could be a, uh, a deadly assumption. But um, until they show me something different, I mean, for 2021. Let's get on the Miles Gaskin train. He'll be, I think, exactly where ADP says he's going to be in that uh, that low end um, RB two. What do you think, Jake? So I really wish I wasn't using my phone as a camera so I could look up some notes because I got some pretty interesting stuff on this one. Um, so a guy that you're not not mentioning at all is rookie Jared Dokes, and Jared Dokes is a guy out of Cincinnati. He's a big, powerful back. I really like this tape. Um, I do all these rookie evaluations every year. I can't remember where he scored. I want to say it was like 10th or 11th on my running backs, which isn't great. But um, at the end of the day, 
we're talking about draft capital. He's got the same draft capital as all these guys. He's a big boy. I'm, I can't remember what his yards per carry is, but I'm pretty sure it was significant. And and when I watched him play, he was a, he was a physical guy who ran hard and looked like he wanted it. You know, the guy who gets the ball and he's he's trying to trying to get that extra yard no matter what. That's what I saw in Jared Dokes. And I guess I guess I say that to say that I really want no part of that offense uh, or not offense. I want no part of that backfield because we've got. Um, Miles Gaskin did that last year, but again, they just drafted a guy with the same draft capital who could steal all those goal line touches. He's a big, powerful back. Now, I don't know how how much Miles Gaskin weighs, but I'm fairly certain Jared Dokes is a bigger back, um, and I don't think they drafted him to to not utilize him or his skill set. So, so I, I I don't I really don't want any part of that backfield unless Gaskin falls pretty far past ADP. I'm not touching him. Um, I'm more of a value guy. If he's my running back three, I'm comfortable. But I don't want him as my RB RB two. I can buy that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I wouldn't want him as my RB two either, to be yeah. honest with you. So. Yeah, but it, it looks like. It, I guess it all depends on how you're drafting your team. I mean, even in one QB, he's going at you know. 48, I think I said, or 49. So if you are a heavy running back drafter, he might be your RB3, you know, or your even your RB4 if you go real running back heavy. So, you know, in those situations, I agree with you. I, I mean, I'm not thrilled if he's my RB2, but, I mean, I could be in a lot, lot worse spots, you know, um, than Miles Gaskin as my RB2. So I'm not, it's not what I hope for, but I'm also not going to be heartbroken if I ended up in a draft like that. So yeah, uh, I got Gaskin here at 5'9, 205. So he's not a, he's definitely not a heavy back by any, uh, any definition. I uh, can't, I don't have dope stats in front of me, but um, yeah, you know, so obviously like I, I got said, a wild stat. Dokes got 4.7 yards for carry senior I season. Hard. I thought it was in the sixth range. But um, here's a well, super interesting stat that I love to throw out. So I looked at the top 25 running backs the past two years, okay? Um, and I think it gave me – or the top 20 the last two years, and it gave me 25 because there's overlap. Of those 25 guys, the only guys who made that list that weighed under – I think it was 205 – were guys that were pass catchers, and 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 Gaskins not an elite pass catcher. It was like guys like Eckler. Um, I think James White was on there. He might be borderline. Um, J.D. McKissick, Naim Hines. So it's like when you see those smaller backs, they have to be elite pass catching backs to be top fantasy assets. So and I, I guess that just goes to me like when you see a guy like that and draft Jared Dokes. I think Jared Dokes is two thirty. I see a guy who they're wanting to give goal line touches too and so that's that's another reason it just that pushes me away same draft capital so why not i actually like i like that stat that you brought up because the one of the tweets i think it was adam's tweet mentioned that he had uh 4.4 catches last year in those games but the Dolphins made a big push to increase their pass catching weapons. I mean, they drafted um, Waddle. They have you know, they signed uh, Will Fuller from free agency. 
So they definitely made a big push to get more pass catching weapons in there. So I'll be curious to see what his, you know, even what his targets per game end up being because was Miles Gaskin targeted because they really liked what he did in the passing game or was he targeted because the number one was Mike Gusecki and the number two was, you know, Devontae Parker, I guess. Like, you know, there's definitely upgrades in the, in the pass catching room there. So yeah, that I, I like that stat because I'll be very curious to see um, what, that what that ends up being for Gaskin and Koenig 52 says, yeah, but all their past catchers are hurt, which uh, unfortunately at the moment, it does seem that, uh, that both Waddle and Fuller are dealing with some injuries, hopefully by week two, because uh, Will Fuller won't play in week one. They're, uh, they're back to full health and, you know, we can really see, cause I think, I think that might actually be a, uh, a low key offense you want to watch. So, um, Cool. So we, we got a little Miles Gaskin debate in there, and I loved it because, you know, I wanted to talk about him. And then I saw we had uh, two people. And trust me, I, I think Miles Gaskin is one of those guys that is very polarizing. You either like him for 2021 or you are completely out, kind of like Mike Davis. Um, but, you know, they, hey, we, we give you both sides of the coin and we let you make your decision. We get guys like Jake to just throw bomb stats. And then, hey, man, it's up to you. What do you see? What are you looking at? And, and make those decisions for yourself. So this one, I, I love this question because we we put out every week, hey, if you got questions, put them on. We'll get them on the show. And uh, Jake retweeted it. And Tariq M at TRock5220 uh, said, hey, tanks or cutoffs? Do you have a certain shirt you wear when you know you're going to lift big that day? Or you just lift big every day? Mine is a cutoff tiger shirt. Now, first of all, Tariq, that's baller status right there. That they they, did, they need to give you a medal for the cutoff tiger because that that says you got confidence and you do big work. So Tariq, I like it. Um, but Koenig fifty two or crop tops? Listen, I don't uh, I don't have the new uh, Ezekiel Elliott physique, so I, I keep away from crop tops because. He's got a six pack and I got a keg. So um, I keep the crop tops to a minimum. But uh, this leads us into a a Trey Sermon discussion we're going to have and a tweet that you put out, Jake. But um, before we get into into Trey, I'll give you a little background about kind of it it started as a conversation and now it's kind of the fantasy timelines inside joke about Trey Sermon. So a few months ago during rookie draft season, uh, one of our guests, uh, Linda Lyons at Lindellians was on the show and she put out a tweet that said, uh, you know, if you're taking Trey Sermon in the first round, you're making a mistake. And I, I had, I was with her hundred percent. I said, Trey Sermon in the first, that that's a little too rich. And then Bill and I, as we're apt to do, we start going back and forth about the, the pros and the cons of, Trey Sermon and uh, Bill Bill says Bill says no, but Bill said there there had to be some pros to Trey Sermon. Um, this is revisionist history. I can tell the story in one second. Uh, Josh, Josh says that he's like, you know, totally like anti first round for 
for a sermon. And I said, watch him get 1300 yards this season. That's all I said. And then Josh said, I'll wear a insert some embarrassing shirt. Um, it was, a, if it that was happens. A, a, so, so now he says, I love Trey Sermon. Cause I was making a joke about him being anti Trey Sermon. So, so that's so, it. So Jake, I, um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. I am a Dallas Cowboys fan. So I told him if Trey Sermon in the year 2021 of our Lord got 1,300 yards, that I would wear a female Philadelphia Eagles tank top on an episode (laughs) of the Fantasy Timeline. I will be off that week. Because, (laughs) um, Because I listen. You can like Trey Sermon as much as you want. And, hey, people like uh, – Trey Sermon is actually starting to get a lot of buzz now. A lot of people are really in on him. 1,300 yards is a lot, a lot of yards. And unless unless defenses just, just lay down for the Sermon, it ain't going to happen. 1,300 it is a lot. But Jake, I, I do want to I do want to throw your tweet up here because you you talk about this and and this is what we're here for. We're here so that smarter people than us can can dis- discuss topics. So this is from Jake Estes at Dynasty underscore Jake. Is the San Francisco 49ers backfield a backfield to avoid, or is this a case of recency bias? Kyle Shanahan, or Shanahan, the right way, has been a head coach or offensive coordinator every year since 2008. And, and you dive into the numbers, and you you bring up some some blasts from the past. People that I have forgotten, Roy Hallou, like guys that I have, and I loved it because because I read the whole thing, and it's it's way too long to to read. I'm going to put a link to that tweet if you're kind of wondering about all this because. Jake, I think deep dive is even offensive to say because it's it's deeper than that. He he really gets into it and tells you what's going on. So, Jake, maybe maybe pull out some of uh, some of the stats you like the most about uh, about this backfield and why you are uh, on the sermon train. I've got I've got a lot, man. So. So I Sermon was one of my pre-draft favorite running backs. So I, before I get into any type of analytical uh, data, which is really big with me, that's that's kind of like how I gained uh, popularity popularity in the community. It was just digging in data, all this fun stuff that I love. But anyways, uh, I did that. But before I did that, I watched tape because I want to see if tape and uh, and data aligns. And what it does to me, that's a huge that's a huge thumbs up because. Both the data suggests he's going to be good, and what I watched said he's going to be good. So when I watched Trey Sermon um, at Oklahoma, it looked like a different running back. When I watched him at Ohio State, he looked like a guy who had that want factor that I was kind of talking about earlier with, with Jared Dokes, but not to the same degree. I, I saw a lot of Trey Sermon and Javante Williams and that type of physicality and want just at Ohio State. I'm not saying at Oklahoma. So I don't know if something clicked. I don't know if it was a teaching. I don't know what it was. But before – the NFL draft, I told everybody, I said, Trey Sermon will be the fourth running back off, off the board. Everyone said, no, Michael Carter and um, Kenneth Gainwell. I'm like, no, those guys are too small. They're not going to be three down backs. That's why Trey Sermon's going to go first because you don't want it that early cap on a guy who you can't use for three downs. So anyways, 
that happened, and I got really excited because he went to an offense that loves to run the ball. Well, everyone's like, well, Shanahan uh, loves to give the ball to a committee. And I'm like, well, that's not necessarily true. So that's where I dug into the data. He had six times, um, and it's in, that, it's in that coaching career, six times he's had a running back go over 900 yards. For context, 900 yards, I believe, would be the 12th-ranked rushing leader last year. That's not a scrub. 12th, 12th, uh, 12th in yardage. Okay, so six times he's had guys go over 900 yards. He's not afraid to commit to, to one single back. Now, then everyone's like, okay, well, Raheem Mostert's not, not a scrub. You see what he's done. I'm like, well, he's not, but is he a product of a great scheme? Possibly. I mean, what's this, his fifth team? His first time he's finding success? Uh, to that to that point, he's also getting older. And one of my favorite quotes from Shanahan is, you don't trade up for running backs because it's been proven that you can get them in later rounds. That's what he said verbatim. And what does he do? He trades up to get Trey Sermon. So a guy who swears by not trading up for running backs traded up to get a guy. To me, that says a lot. And then when we get into camp, now he's, uh, he's getting uh, first-team carries. So I, I think the whole Raheem versus Trey, um, I think there's a lot to it. And I've kind of, sometimes you dig into data, and when you do that, you kind of disprove what you're trying to prove. But that wasn't the case. I found six times where he had a guy go over 900 yards. That's that's a bell cow. That's a guy who's who's getting the and, – and that was with a third-round pick, like a six-round pick. Um, I can't remember. It's all laid out in the tweet. Long story short, though, he, he scored as – Ignoring ignoring film now, he scored as my fourth highest ranked running back, and that's based on metrics that are directly correlated with fantasy points. So we look. I built this massive database for each each position. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and keep this short. <laughs> Sorry, fellas. So I built this massive database, and then I compare college metrics to fantasy points. I say, okay, this this pro, for example, Adrian Peterson. What were his college metrics? that led to him being successful? And is there a common theme among all the top running backs? So you actually find it's like six different statistical categories that actually had correlation, like extreme correlation. And it was yards per carry, draft capital, dominator rating, yards per carry, target share. Anyways, all these things. And then there's a mathematical formula. Trey Sermon scored fourth, which isn't as high as ETN. So I'm definitely like, I'm not saying he's an ETN. I'm not saying he's a Javante Williams. And I'm not saying um, he's Najee. He's not. But he's going to a scheme that knows how to run the ball really, really well. And he's a guy that's capable of being a three-down back. I don't think it's a competition there. I think it's going to be closer to 60-40 Sermon over Mostert in, in, in year one. I really believe that. And redraft rankings, I have Sermon higher than Javante, just because Melvin's a stud. Raheem Mostert is not a stud. So Dynasty, I'm not saying that at all, and I'm not saying he's a better running back, but when it comes to redraft, I think Sermon's immediately starting, and I think he, he's a guy that – that, and, and I think that's why he's becoming such a, a guy who's moving higher in the ADP. Everyone's following training camp, and you're not supposed to get behind training camp, but when training camp supports your theories that you've been building on, it's kind of like affirmation, so – Sorry for the long rant. That's my Trey Sermon rant. No, man, don't don't be sorry at all because because uh, trust me, you just you just made Bill feel really good. Um, he's getting excited to see me in a uh, in a ladies oh, Eagles tank top. <laughs> um, but I, 
you did a very deep dive, and I like I said, I am going to attach the uh, the link to your tweet so that people can really see. I did a um, I did the opposite. I did a very shallow dive into sure. um, into it. So you went back to two thousand and eight because that's when uh, Kyle Shanahan first became an offensive coordinator. I went to twenty seventeen because it's hard to know how much influence an offensive coordinator has in the draft room and with the general manager when free agency is coming on. Obviously, your stats prove that once they either he picked a guy or they gave him a guy, he worked with that guy and made that guy pretty good in most situations. But I think we can all agree with the 49ers. Yeah, John Lynch is there, but I think pretty much Kyle Shanahan, he shops for his groceries. So 2017 is his first year as San Francisco 49ers head coach. And this is total yard, so this is rushing and receiving. The immortal Carlos Hyde had 1,288 yards, played in 16 games, and there were only – and this – this last stat is actually going to prove one of the things you said, Jay, and, and a common misconception about the San Francisco 49ers backfield that they use this like massive committee. So there right. were only two running backs that year that had over 100 rushing attempts. So two, that's it. I mean, other guys had rushing attempts, but it's not like three guys had 100 or – Four guys had, you know, 90, nothing like that. You know, two guys had over 100 attempts. 2018, Matt Breida, 1,075 yards. He played in 14 games. Again, only two running backs. He and one other running back with over 100 attempts. Uh, Raheem Mostert in 2019, 952 total yards. Uh, played in 16 games. That year they had three guys. Uh, Jeff Wilson was one. Can't remember who the other one was. Um, uh, no, I think that might have been not McKinnon. Uh, was that the guy from the Falcons? I can't even remember his name now. Not Playing for the Jets. Yeah. So, um, and then in 2020, uh, Jeff Wilson, 733 yards, played in 12 games. Again, only two other guys. So that last fact is important because. Jake mentioned it. Everybody just assumes that San Francisco uses like seven guys and there's this big running back by committee, but it, it, it's really not. Kyle, Kyle Shanahan has probably two guys. And a lot of the, a lot of those times, even though those numbers are high and games played, if you look at games started, it's a lot lower except for the Carlos Hyde I think he started all six. Yeah. He's the only running back in that time to actually start all 16 of those games. So I think the reason why the the attempts get split up so much is because they, they're just an injured team. They seem to be injured every year. It, I, I don't know what's going on there. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to um, – I'm not going to even attempt to guess. But they seem to just get bit by the injury bug all the time. So – my thing is, is that, yes, I do believe it's going to be a split with Mostert. Um, but Koenig actually, uh, he mentioned this. First of all, he said Jake is spitting facts, 100%. Um, but he said, watch out for Elijah Mitchell as the third down back. 
Man, Elijah Mitchell, man, I I, I kind of like him as one of those kind of late darts. But my my biggest thing about Trey Sermon in the first round, and Jake, you mentioned this. You looked at the analytics, and you said, hey, that is my running back four. I almost felt like Trey Sermon was turning to CEH light, where we were moving a guy way up. Don't do that. Well, well, this is what I mean by that. We're moving a guy way up from where we had him pre-draft because of his landing spot. Now, no, if I agree. you, I'm telling people not to do that to Sermon. That's not a good idea. Right, and that you had him as your running back four, so I understand you going into a rookie draft and saying, "All right, one twelve in my rookie draft. All right, I could take what maybe Rashad Bateman or Trey Sermon." But I mean, you mentioned that Kenny Gainwell was one of these guys we were talking about. Um, Chuba Hubbard was one of these guys we were talking about because it was kind of the big three, and then the fourth could have been one of a bunch of guys. And my whole thought process is let's not CEH this guy into the first round because uh, he didn't get like one Oh one. I mean, this, that's like materially different being one twelve. I mean, to take a running back that you want, you know, because there's so many wide receivers everywhere. No, but not reach for RB, you know, but if he, let's say he was your RB, six before the draft, which what probably puts him in most situations, 205, 206, 207. And then you're bumping him to your RB4, which is now putting him at 110. You're moving him up almost the whole round. And I think that's where you can get bit. And it's where people got bit with CEH last year because CEH was probably what, 106, 107 pre-draft. And then he went to Kansas City and it's like, Andy Reid and the Chiefs offense, he's got to be the 101. Now, it, you're right. It's different making that mistake at 101 and making that mistake at 110. But the whole point was just don't make the mistake at all. Now, Jake said, I looked at the analytics. He's my RB4. Hey, man, if that's your RB4, take him at 110, 111, 112 because you have I'm the facts. I'm not getting that early, and I like him. See, Jake isn't even taking him that early. So, Jake. Yeah. Even- Where were you starting to grab him, Jake? So, I have a whole a whole tier of guys that I would place above. So, all right, let's pretend like it's not super flex. So this is a one QB situation. So, I would go, the first round would be, not in any particular order, I'll try and do it in order. Uh, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, um, then I'm probably looking at personally Rashad Bateman or Terrace Marshall. I know a lot of people have uh, Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith there. Those guys I'm not high on. So, but but assuming that people are following like ESPN rankings, those are going to be like your top ten-ish. I got um, Terrace Marshall at the first pick in the second in a ten-team league, so the eleventh pick. Got Rashad the next pick. Space, I think Michael Carter. No, maybe Michael Carter, Elijah Moore went. And then I grabbed um, Trey Sermon. So I think it was the 14th overall pick or 13th. Okay. Yeah. And if you're telling me 13th and a 10 team, one QB, I mean, we're probably talking about what, add five for the quarterbacks. So, yeah, exactly. 18. 
in a, yeah, in a second. And, and that's fine. You grab him at 18. I actually think you may have gotten a deal at 18. Yeah, right. I, don't, I don't think I saw him go that late ever. But <laughs> 10, you pay too much. I mean, listen, it's like when you go out for a car. You sit down with the guy and you go, listen, I know that's what the sticker says. But let's be real here. Let let you know. I don't I don't need nice wheels. You know, we're gonna bump this down a little bit to make it more affordable for me. And that's what I was trying to tell people in the argument. One ten, you paying for all the bells and whistles that you don't need to bump it back to one twelve, two oh one, two oh two. Hey, listen, that that's the price. That's where you should be getting them. Right. Don't pay too much for your car, is all I'm saying. I take value and I I do like Trace Urban. But I'm not taking Trey Sermon. So it's like I like all these things. I've built this image of Trey Sermon. I think he can be successful. But there's still risk. Like we still saw what happened last year. It's not 100% sure that, that Kyle Shanahan's doing everything that I say he's going to do. I think it's going to happen. Whereas I think Terrace Marshall is going to be a stud. I think Rashad Bateman's going to be a stud. And I'm going to take both of those guys who are probably stepping into starting roles immediately over Trey sermon who i'm like yeah probably but i don't know if that makes sense yeah and, and i'll you know um uh, a a uh, a famous reply i would say to your very deep dive is uh kyle shanahan also like joe williams uh i don't know if you remember the name joe williams from the uh 2018 draft but he banged the table for him and, and that dude got cut uh, <laughs> right away so uh even Kyle Shanahan, who, by the way, great head coach, great offensive mind. Even the greats, they make mistakes sometimes. But no, yep. you know what, Jake? Yep. It, it's funny because I thought we were, I thought we were really going to spar about Trey Sermon, but it almost seems like even though we got there in different ways, we're about the same on um, where Trey Sermon should have went. So, uh, yeah, I like that and. Here you go. Here's one from from Koenig. Uh, did you guys take Sermon over Elijah Moore? I agree with Jake. Jake, give me Rashad and Marshall over Sermon. I personally, and I, I think Bill agrees with me. I would not take Elijah. I would not take Trey Sermon over Elijah Moore. But I love Elijah Moore, so I could be biased. So I also love Elijah Moore. I think he actually scores number three in my model. So it was Terrace Marshall then. Elijah more than Rashad. So I skipped Elijah there. Um, but I, I try and keep context with everything. So I think Elijah Moore and Rashad, or not Rashad, um, Trey Sermon, at the time that I did this draft, I had them neck and neck. I like both could go either way. Now, after seeing camp and, you know, comparing that to my model, I think probably I'd go Elijah. But I, I don't think, I think Sermon's upside is really high, but his floor is lower. And so that's what makes him such a risky pick. Whereas I think, Elijah's floor is pretty high, but we don't know how high his ceiling is. Nice. So we, we've gone for an hour already. I want to do one more on the way out because, Jake, I know I know you got places to be. Um, so I, I want to do this last one here from David Mendelson at DMendio2. What are your five calls you want people to associate with you for the 2021 fantasy season? He says uh, Russell Wilson will be QB1. CEH will be a top 12 running back. 
Uh, Terry McLaurin will be a top 10 wide receiver. Jerry Judy will be a top 24 wide receiver. And Michael Carter will be a top 24 running back. So we're not going to do five. We're just going to do one, one each. Um, if you guys know yours, you can go first. Or if you guys need a second to think, I can do mine first. However you guys want to do it. I'm going to need a second on this one. All right, I'll go. All right. Uh, four out of, okay, of the uh, top uh, rookie running backs from 2020, only one will exceed expectations. Ooh. So he say, he's saying somebody from the pack of JT and DeAndre Swift and who I mean, Akers is already out, so that's not fair. Akers um, is already out, but out of, out of the four, Dobbins those top four, and Gibson, I, he wasn't part of the top, like, oh. dra- like he wasn't part of those top rookies when they were drafted. So, oh, I, I just mean you- those those guys who were. Um, I think Gibson is going to be really good this year. So I'm like, sorry. I thought I thought you meant based off of 2020, what they did in 2020. So yeah, I, 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 yeah, no, I, I mean I wasn't very clear. Um, I know I understand what you're saying. Though. So, so there, so there you go. Only one of those guys is going to uh, is going to do more than we think they're going to do. I, I like that Bill, because what's that? Do we get a name? You just going to leave us hanging like uh, that? I think it. Well, so okay, I think that. Um, yeah, I think it'll be Dobbins. Um, really? Oh, yeah. man. Ooh, it, is, it has gotten hot in here. Bill got some fire. Ooh. Ooh. Bill, did you see my tweet yesterday, by chance? That, that's why I said it. Okay, all right. So you- <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, like, I'm a Lions fan, so I love Swift, but I just don't think they're going to use him the way that I want them to. Um, and I don't, yeah. so, I mean, I'm a little concerned about him. I think they're going to be using, um, uh, Williams more than I, I want them to. Um, so like I'm down on him. Um, I don't think JT is going to do as well as, uh, we expect this year. Um, and yeah, I mean, honestly, it's down to Dobbins. So I, I do think like. I'm worried about his receiving, um, so that's a concern. But I think that the just the the uh, volume is where he's going to win. I I don't think you saw my tweet. It wasn't about. I didn't see it. No. Okay, so let me. I want I want you to help me because I don't know. I'm I'm perplexed by Dobbins. Let me tell you where my thoughts come from. So when I look at Dobbins, I see a guy that he averaged what was it six yards a carry last year. That's insane, right? Six sure. yards a carry. That's so he's trending up, okay. And but but then you look at um, and he's also a year two guy. So t- traditionally, year one to year two guys improve. So we've got high sure. yards per carry going into second year. All should bode well, right? Well, then you think about. Um, I have this theory that I talk about, and it's not much of a theory. It's pretty logical, but I believe that coach, good coaches, and most coaches in the NFL are good coaches. Good coaches scheme for the talents of their players, right? And I think when they went and got Sammy Watkins, Rashad Bateman, and Tylen Wallace, they're making a statement that says, hey, we're going to throw the ball more this year. And so then then I'm looking at Dobbins and I'm like, okay, well, if they're throwing the ball more this year, i got to drop them a little bit because they're making that clear. So um, And then I think about Gus Edwards, who's going to be playing a role still. 
and and Lamar Jackson is going to be um, full train touchdowns, which he already did last year. So really it comes down to the fact that I think they're going to throw the ball more this year, and I don't know that they're just going to give him those touches. I think he should get the touches over Gus, but but I, I don't know that it's going to happen that way because Gus was effective last year too. So like we have these things that push him up, and then we have those things that push him down. So that's probably the most perplexing running back situation uh, as far as second-year backs that I'm looking at. I, I have – I really don't know what to expect out of him. So it's interesting that you brought him up. Well, I'll be honest with you. Like, I could have probably said all four of those guys because you do make some, like, there are some concerns. But from what I think is Dobbins really didn't get a lot of play early in the season, right? Like, he right. he, um, he kind of got thrown in a little bit later in the season. So, like, I mean, there's going to be a bunch more opportunity for him. I mean, I, I know Ingram didn't get a ton of touches last year, but I don't foresee – uh, Gus getting a lot more touches. His role's his role. Um, pretty much all the passes to the running backs are going to Dobbins. You know, I mean, his hands were a little suspect last year. That was my biggest concern with him. I saw a lot of drops from him. Could be a rookie just having the oopsies a little bit. I don't know. But I feel like the opportunity is greatest for him. Um, yes, his efficiency is going to drop. You know, he's not going to be 6.0 likely. Um, but like of the, all of the players, I mean, the expectations for JT are so high, right? Like the expectations for Swift are probably higher than, and I, I think that then um, I expect, you know, just based on his touches, um, Acres is out. So, I mean, I think that he has the best chance to exceed expectations. Could I have even gotten a little saucier and said all of them? you know, none of them exceed expectations. I mean, maybe, um, I mean, Gibson's probably the guy I'm most high on. So, I mean, that's probably, um, probably not a bad idea, but I've already said my piece, I guess. So I'll stick with Dobbins. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. There are concerns for him also. So, I mean, that's actually interesting that like, you know, people need to think about that because sometimes people get so excited just because it's a, you know, it was a hot rookie that he's, they're automatically going to do better the second year and maybe they'll probably do better, but I don't think they're going to meet like what everybody thinks they're going to be. And, you know, it's, you just gotta be careful with that kind of stuff that there's going to be this natural progression from being a quality efficient player one year that they're automatically going to be like a stud the following year. Right. Right. All right, Jake, do you, do you have a, uh, a, a take that you want to be associated with? Yeah, there's two. Uh, and the first one, if I haven't made it clear, I'll, I'll make it clear now. Uh, Trey Sermon will outscore Raheem Mostert. I got no doubt about that one. Um, and then I'll also, the, the problem is when I when I think of these, I usually tweet them. So all the people who follow me, have, I've seen probably this one already. But uh, Chase Claypool, I have him higher than Deontay Johnson this year, which is apparently controversial. Um, but it goes back to what we were just discussing where you have a player who's heading into year two and typically players improve, right? So if you've got a guy who, who I think he finished at in PPR wide receiver, like 23, 22, somewhere right in there as a rookie, right? As a rookie who doesn't fully understand the game, who's not going to lose any opportunities. I think Ben was injured last year, so he should probably get more uh, possible deep balls this year. But with that said, we got a guy who stepped in year two, and traditionally, if you look at that data, year, year one to year two, guys improve. So it's so interesting to me that he finished at either wide receiver 23, 25, somewhere in that range, 
but he's being drafted at like 26. That's that's so absurd to me that you're downgrading a guy going into the second year with the exact same parameters. That doesn't make any sense to me. So so I'm going Chase Claypool improves. He's gonna uh, he's definitely gonna outscore his ADP. The whole I, I hate the argument so much that's like, well, you know, you, he's gonna have all these touchdown regressions. Well, if the guy scores touchdowns and that's what he does, then that's what he does. You can't discount him and, and just say, well, now he's not gonna score because he scored a lot last year. That's so silly to me. Yeah, like right, what. So- What's his mean, right? Like, what's the his mean for touchdowns? I mean, there's particular players that just score touchdowns, and right, actually, he's my there. most added player this off season. So I agree. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to kick Jake off the show because this is a pro Deontay Johnson uh, podcast. But <laughs> no, uh, no, you, you make like you make a lot of you make a lot of good points though, Jake, because we all we also saw them script some of those touchdown plays for Chase Claypool. So, I mean, I remember the – I live right outside of Philadelphia, so I remember that that Steelers-Eagles game where he, he's doing end the round for touchdowns. It's not just like, hey, go deep right. and we're going to hit you and there's a touchdown. I mean, they had, you know, they had end around, you know, sweeps. They were doing other things with right. him besides just like, hey, take this nine route and beat your guy and let's go. Like, the, it, it wasn't just that, and I think – you make a good point because we had this same argument about Calvin Ridley after his rookie season. He had double digit touchdowns and we were like, well, he can't do that again. Like nobody just comes into the league, (laughs) has 10 touchdowns, like, and then do it again. And then Calvin Ridley's like, but this is what I do. Just like we slam Julio, his ex teammate, because that dude never scored touchdowns. Right, right, right. So there are just some guys that, you know, the old cliche, have a nose for the end zone. And there's other guys who just don't. I mean, for whatever reason, it's not that one guy is good and one guy isn't. It's just either the team scripts it that way or the guy just, you know, he puts a little extra oomph in his step when he's at that five-yard line, whatever the case may be, you know. So I I like that. And I think the the Steelers wide receiver room is one of the hardest to predict because, like, Juju could be the number one guy. I mean, and we, you know, people are clowning on Juju right now. They're, they, they put him out the pasture and he's like 23 years old, you know, right. and, but Chase Claypool can do it. Deontay Johnson can do it. Like it, it's just, so, so here's mine. And it, it, this doesn't sound as hot as it did a couple of months ago when I was saying it, but I've been saying it. So I'm going to continue to say it. Jalen hurts. Oh, that yeah, dude, that dude, he ain't going to be a quarterback one. He's not going to do it for you. Honestly, oh. honestly, went the other direction, huh? Honestly, I thought he was going the other direction. No, honestly, be happy if that dude is a top 15 quarterback for you. And, and let me let, let me put a little bit of stuff out here. I, I'm not I'm not as good with the numbers as Jake is, but I, I do a little bit. And I wish I could quote the person who put the tweet out because it was a great tweet. In the four games that Jalen Hurts played, he averaged 50 what I call touches a game, passes and rush attempts. Now, we, you know, we all said at the beginning of the season when Dak was blowing it up, he was like on pace for like 7,000 yards. And that's just not sustainable, which is absolutely right, by the way, like. 
there's no freaking way if he would have played 16 games that he would have been remotely close to the yardage that he was on pace for. But the reason why we say that is because we said, well, he can't throw it 40. I think he was averaging 44 pass attempts a game or something like that. But we expect throughout the course of a season for Jalen Hurts to average 38 passing attempts and 12 rushing attempts. That That's a lot, and that's a recipe to get a guy hurt. Um, on top of that, and I know everyone is going to give me the Josh Allen argument, his completion percentage last year, not good. And he, he was never – I mean, I think at Alabama, he was, I think he was an accurate, pretty accurate quarterback, but, you know, I don't expect him to go. I think he, he was 56% completion last year. I mean, is he going to jump up to 66%? I mean, that's a pretty big leap. And uh, Devonta Smith is already with the sprained MCL. And, you know, what do we got? J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, maybe Jalen Rager is a thing. I didn't like him pre-draft process, so I don't think he is going to be a thing. But, like, I mean, who are the pass catch? Uh, apparently, Zach Ertz is, you know, according to camp reports, is the, you know, kind of the pass catching option right now. And, you know, according to the Eagles, you know, he's supposed to be – getting traded in 15 minutes, even though that 15 minutes has lasted four and a half months. So, you know, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't like the weapons around them. I don't think the guy is going to be doing as much in the air or on the ground as he did last year. And I think he is going to disappoint some people. So listen, I know it's not popular, but I'm not here to be popular. I'm here to, to give you my opinion the way I see it maybe give you some stats to prove my point, or maybe, hey, maybe those stats say, hey, why wouldn't they let him throw it 38 times and run it 12 times? Because obviously the the biggest aspect of his game is that he can run the ball. He's the Konami code, as we hear from everybody. You know, right. he can run, he can run well, and I, there's, I can't dispute that because he is a very good runner of the ball. But passing... And I, I think that's where I think that's where a lot of people are going to uh, are going to be hurt with their Jalen Hurts shares. Plus, in Dynasty, I don't even know if he is the starting quarterback. So. Right. So in, in Dynasty, he scares me a little more. But I got a quick question for you. So I do this thing. I've been doing it on Twitter for probably the past few months. I do these five dollar bets where the loser uh, donates to the charity of choice of the winner. And since you're on the air making a claim like that, I'd like to make a $5 bet for charity that Jalen Hurts does finish top 15. You uh, win, Jake? donate to your charity of choice, you lose, you donate to my charity of choice. Jake, what, what, um, do you have a specific charity that I would donate to if I lost this? Yeah, it's, uh, probably the, I, I usually do, uh, the Women's Sports Foundation. Per, uh, listen, I love it. Uh, I'm a big I'm a big supporter of the uh, Shriners Children Hospital. So let's do this, man. Five bucks. Right. If Jalen Hurts does not finish top fifteen, ten dollars goes or five dollars goes over to. Uh, and I'll even match it, even if even if I win, I'll I'll match whatever you donate to uh, the Shriners Children's Johnson. Hospital. I like that. Here we go. Getting some. And if going. you're right, Women's Sports Foundation. Yo. Some some charity is is going to get a little bit of extra money, and that's you know honestly that's what it's all about. Jake, I love it. 
So on that note, on a on a good note, on a high note, we're <laughs> yeah. out of here. Uh, Jake, thank you for coming on. Please tell everybody um, where they can find you, what you what you're up to, and what you're doing. Awesome. Yeah. So first off, thanks for having me, gentlemen. Uh, I love doing this. Absolute blast. Anytime I can talk football with some other nerds, I'm all about it. So thanks for having me. Uh, you can find me at Dynasty underscore Jake. I am currently a writer at Ball Blast in Yards Per. So check out my articles over there. Uh, also planning on dropping a podcast soon. This is the first time I've officially announced that. Uh, but once we get get some finishing touches, put on that, I'll announce it, and, and we're ready to hit the hit the ground running for the for the season. So uh, again, thanks for having me, guys. I had a great time. Well, Jake, no matter how this bet goes, uh, I'm going to let you know right now. I'm probably going to be one of your first subscribers. So uh, awesome. I can't wait until you until you announce that and drop that because uh, I'm I'm excited about that. And we we cut it up in the uh, in the F4 chat that we're in. So uh, I'll I'll see you there too, dropping just dropping knowledge bombs. And, and on that note, thank you to everybody in the chat, man. Koenig was in there. Uh, the Hot Sauce Podcast was in there. A uh, bunch of people were in and out. Fantasy Futures Podcast. Thank you guys. When the chat is bumping, it makes the show so much better. Um, if you if you like what you saw, hit the bell. Hit subscribe. Um, we appreciate it. And not only do you get us, you get the, uh, the junkies and you get trade addicts pod when they do their live stuff, which is awesome. If you're listening to us on podcast, thank you again, an hour and 20 minutes. You can do anything else. You're listening to us. Uh, remember if for some reason you're not subscribed, hit that subscribe, leave a rate and review. Uh, tell us what you think. And on that note, Bill, we are out of here late.